You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So we're continuing a series called Stranger Things, and this is based on the Netflix series Stranger Things, which has been a really big deal. They just finished their third season. It's really popular, and maybe you've seen it all. Maybe you've binge-watched all three seasons. You waited for that to come out, and you just watched all the episodes at one time. Maybe you're not a fan of the show. Maybe you're a really big fan of the show. Maybe you've never seen it the show, or maybe you're here today, and you're like, I've never even heard of this show. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, you are in the right place, because you don't need to know anything about the show Stranger Things to understand the series that we're talking about today. So what are we talking about? We're talking about stories in the Bible that are honestly a little strange. And sometimes when we read these strange stories, we might say, that's great that that happened a long time ago, but how on earth does that apply to my life today? So we've been looking at these for the last couple of weeks. If you missed any of them, I encourage you to listen online on the website or on the podcast to get caught up. But today we're going to continue the series and talk about strange things, how they apply to us today. And I've been sharing some stories from my life that, you know, a little strange, a little different, and it's just been a really great series. I've really enjoyed this. And, and I already shared with you a, a story um, from a friend of mine named James, who you may have heard me share stories with before about a really good friend of mine that I went to college with. He was from Philadelphia. I was from Pittsburgh. So we had the whole Pennsylvania connection going on. We found out really quickly those are two really different cities, even though they're in the same state and start with the same letter, which, you know, it just, just totally different different, but he was a really good friend of mine, was really helping me out, and I was thinking about the friends in my life that I was fortunate to have, and James has definitely been one of those friends. There was a time in college where uh, I started my freshman year having really bad headaches, and I can't imagine why I would start having headaches in college freshman year, because I'm sure I was getting all the sleep and nutrition that I needed, and I'm sure the hygiene in the dorms was great and everything, just not an environment where you think you would have a headache. So I started getting these headaches, like really bad ones too, not even just like like a little bit, like they probably classified as migraines, because they would just go on and on. And I remember one night it was so debilitating that I couldn't go to class, couldn't go to work, and I'm just laying in my bed. And you, just, you can't even sleep. The headache's so bad, so intense. And if you've ever suffered with headaches, you know it can be really debilitating. It's not like one of those just like popping Advil. I was like eating Advil like Pez candy and it didn't do anything, right? It's just not, not touching the pain. And so I'm laying there and I'm in so much pain. I don't know what to do. And I probably at that point should have been going to the ER, you know, something to figure out what was going on. I was just really, really in bad shape. And I remember the church that we attended while I was in college at that time, they had a prayer meeting that would happen every single week. And some people who um, really focused in on prayer, intercessors, that was their gift. They would come and pray for the church, pray for the community, the pastors, the leaders. And I remembered it was going on that night. And so I'm like, man, I've got to get there. I got, I got to have them just pray for me because this is just so out of control. I'm not sure what to do. There was no way I could drive. It was just, just that bad. And so I, I stumbled down to my friend James' room and I'm sure I looked like really great because his eyes got like really big when he opened the door. Like, dude, you look like death. And I'm like, I just need you to take me to the church, which is probably thinking I'm going to say hospital. But I'm like, I need you to take me to the church, right? Such a Bible student thing to do. And so um, he, he didn't have a car, so he had to drive mine. And he takes me. And if you ever need something, James is the guy you want helping you out. So we get to the church, and we get into the sanctuary, and we just sit down in the back. And of course, James is not going to wait. He just goes straight up while they're praying to the lady who's in charge, the pastor who oversaw it, taps her on the shoulder, and he's like, my friend needs prayer. He's, you know, he's dealing with these headaches or whatever, and 
And so I'm just so out of it. And so they, they're finishing some things and they asked me to come up. They set a chair. And I don't know if you've ever had people who like prayer is their gifting, like people who are like intercede on your behalf, like go to God before you. It was amazing. And, and these people prayed for me. And I remember at one point there was this one guy and he was a professor at the college that we went to. It was, it was a Christian college and he was from Africa. And I'm not sure what nation he was from, but had the most amazing accent. And I remember sitting in the chair and him coming up behind me and, and laying hands on my head and just just beginning to pray for me. He didn't shout. He didn't yell. He didn't, he just prayed very calmly. And I just remember this peace coming over me. And I'll never forget this moment. And, and, and then after he prayed for me and a few other people, just the headache went away. And I just can't explain it any other way that God just healed me in that moment. I remember getting to go home. I had like the most amazing night of sleep, got up the next morning and was just ready to go. But I was so thankful that my friend James took me there and had them pray for me so I could have that experience. And I've obviously never forgotten and had just such a profound impact on my life. And I'm so thankful for friends. I don't know if you've ever had friends in your life who've gone out of the way to do something for you. I remember one time we were moving across the country. We were moving from the city of Memphis, Tennessee, all the way to Indiana. And we had a good friend named Logan. And he, Logan like helped us load everything up. And you know you've got a good friend when they show up to help you move, right? But Logan just like went the extra step. We had like this big truck and a trailer and a car and another car. And he actually got in the vehicle with us and helped us drive drive all the way to Indiana, helped us unload everything there, and then drove all the way back to Tennessee. You know you've got a good friend when they're willing to put themselves out. Just, I'm sure that wasn't the top of his list, help somebody move across the country, but such, I don't know if you've experienced a friendship like that, but I'm thankful for those people in our lives, and even today, I'm so thankful for the people in my lives who, who, who have been a friend to me, who've experienced that, and maybe you, you hear that because sometimes it's hard to have a friend as an adult. If we're honest, the older that we get, it seems like the more difficult it is to find friendship. And something that was told to me, which I think is great advice, if you find yourself in that place of being like, man, I wish I had a great friend. I wish I had someone who supported me like that. Some advice that was given to me is go be the friend to someone else that you yourself wish you had. So if you don't have that kind of relationship in your life, you initiate it. You go find some people, find someone who needs a friend. You be that friend and see that friendship grow and develop. That was a freebie. We're not even talking about that today. But I thought I'd throw that out there because an adult, sometimes it's tough, right? When you're young and you're in school, you're forced to be around your peers. You don't even want friends, but you just have to have friends because you're around them all day. It's like, well, I might as well have some friends with some of these people. Some of you were like, no, I didn't even have friends then. But I, that was me. No, I'm just kidding. So we're talking about strange stories, and I want to talk about strange stories about some friends and about also about Jesus. And I'm really excited about this week. I'm really super excited for the story that we're going to share today from the book of Mark. And it's in Mark 2. And it'll be on the screen. You can read along. Mark 2, starting in verse 1. It says, After a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. So this is a point in Jesus' ministry where he really became famous. I mean, it probably didn't take much. You start healing people, raising people from the dead, and saying all these things that are like inciting riots within the religious community. I mean, Jesus was known at this point. So whenever he showed up places to preach or teach, um, people showed up in force. So they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So you get this image. Jesus is in there, wherever he's at, the building, the house, wherever he's speaking. It's packed out, standing room. They're outside. They're in the street. You can't even get there to hear what Jesus has to say. Then it continues in verse 3. 
Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. Okay, pause right there for a moment. Say what? I mean, I'm thankful for the friends that I've had in my life, but can we just pause for a moment and appreciate how strange what is happening here? Because I have questions. I have questions, right? So these friends, whoever they are, must be some super cool friends because they hear about Jesus, hear that he can heal people. And so they're like, hey, we've got to get him there. So they carry him, four of them, on a mat, which is pretty amazing. But then they get there. There's no way in. We can't get to Jesus. So most people would just be like, oh, you know, sorry, we tried. Maybe he'll come out. Maybe the crowd will thin out. No, these guys don't take no for an answer. So somehow... I would just love to see a video of this. They climb on the roof carrying a man and a stretcher. I have questions. What does that look like? Like, did they tie him down? Did they have a ladder? how they get this guy on the roof? What are the physics of that? Were these guys just ripped? How'd they get him up there? I have questions. And then all of a sudden, they just decide to dig through the roof. Like, whose home is this? Like, would this person not be frustrated? Like, you're, you're tearing my house. What is happening? You know? And then Jesus wouldn't notice this. Like, I've been giving credit, spoke to teenagers for like 15 years. Anything could be happening in the room. There could be a circus, and I would just go through with the talk. And people are like, how do you do it? Like, just eventually, you just get numb to it, right? So apparently, Jesus has me beat because people are coming through the roof, and he just continues teaching. The roof's falling apart. What's happening? Jesus is just teaching. No one's paying attention. I got questions. And then also, who brought the rope? Who was like, oh, we should probably bring this rope to? They had to lower the guy down on the mat. And how did that work? Were you like one person, you know, let down too far and the guy's falling off? Like, how did this just, the physics of this just blows my mind. I have questions, but these guys were such faithful friends that they were going to do whatever it takes. There's no way we're getting in. All right, let's climb the roof. Let's rip this roof apart. Let's lower this guy in front of Jesus. I mean, that's the friends I want, right? Those are the friends that you want. So let's see what happens. They lower this guy down. Jesus has just got to be like, are you serious? So they lower this guy down. And when Jesus saw them, he's like, what are you doing? Get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what Jesus says. Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And so pause there for just a moment. So what happens, he forgives this guy's sin. There's a bunch of religious leaders there who lose their minds because they're like, whoa, only God can forgive sins. Who do you think you are? And this is just Jesus. Jesus just messes with people. Jesus is always gangsta. He always just rolls up in there. He's like, watch this, forgive your sins. And they're like, no, you can't forgive sins. He's like, I just did. His sins are forgiven. They're gone. They're like, no, they're not. Yes, they are. This is just what Jesus does. He just loved messing with the establishment. It's why he had such a following. He's like, this is all about God. And so he argues with with them, and then he gets to verse 11, and he says this to the paralyzed man. He says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. How amazing is that? So apparently the guy couldn't get in, but after they healed him, they made a path for him to get out and walk out, right? I don't know how that works either. Questions, right? Such a strange story. But how amazing is this that these friends had such faith they had such faith in who Jesus was, heard about what he could do for their friend, and they did anything that they could to get their friend to Jesus. Nothing was going to stop them. No obstacle was too big. They're climbing that roof. They're taking the shingles off of that roof. They're lowering him down. Whatever it took, and Jesus was so moved by their faith. And how could he not be? 
man, what kind of, just how amazing is that? Not taking any kind of no for an answer. And he forgives this guy's sins, and then he heals him, and he physically gets up and walks out of the building. Man, can you imagine the celebration they were having after that? The five friends going around town. No one believing it. It just had to have been just an amazing time in their history to be able to share that. Look what Jesus did. Hey, isn't that that guy that couldn't walk, that was laying around? We don't know if he was born that way. We don't know if he had an accident. Whatever it took, they had to get him to Jesus. And it's amazing to see what Jesus did when they were moved, when he was moved by their faith. So when we read this story and we hear about how strange this is, and we're like, that's great that he had such good friends, and it's great that Jesus healed them, but how does that apply to us today? How do I, what does that look like for me? If I'm following after Jesus, if I've surrendered my life to him, what is my takeaway? I'm glad you asked. We've got four things we're going to take a look at today. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. If you're not taking notes, you can write these down. The first one is we can bring our friend or friends to Jesus. And maybe you need to fill in the blank there instead of friend, it could be family member, coworker, whoever. But we can bring our friend to Jesus. That today, one of the lessons, one of the things that I get from this story, the first thing that jumps out to me when I read this is that, man, what a great friend these, this guy had. What a great set of four guys that would go out of their way to bring their friend to Jesus. And today, we can do the same thing. Matter of fact, if you have said yes to following after Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him, Jesus has challenged every single one of us. They call it the Great Commission. That Jesus told all of us that now have said yes to Jesus, surrendered our life to him, that we're supposed to go into all the world, everywhere, and we're supposed to make disciples who follow after him. It's not the great suggestion, it's the great commandment. And if we've said yes to Jesus, our not obligation not duty, but when you understand what Jesus has done for you, when you understand how he's changed your life, how he's forgiven you, put it this way, the guy whose sins were forgiven and was healed, do you think he felt obligation to spread the news of Jesus? Do you think he was like, oh man, I gotta tell someone about it. this obligation, guilt, I have to do this, pastor's gonna be all over me if I don't invite someone to church this week? No, this guy probably was like, I can't wait to tell someone about what Jesus has done for me, and that's the difference when we understand what Jesus has done for us, that he has forgiven us, that he has changed our lives, that now we get the opportunity, not the obligation, we get the opportunity to share who Jesus is and bring others to Jesus. So that's the first one, we can bring our friend to Jesus. This next one's a little tricky, and you got to do a little reading in between the lines here to catch this one. But if this is the second one, if not careful, we can become part of the crowd instead of bringing people to Jesus. See, if we are not careful, we can become like the people in the story and we can become a part of the crowd instead of bringing people to Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but when they tried to bring their friend to Jesus on the mat, they couldn't get in. You would kind of think if you're standing there listening to Jesus talk, if someone shows up on a mat carrying someone, you would kind of think they would probably, you know, make a way for these people to get for Jesus. But that's not 
what happens. And I don't know that these people were necessarily selfish or that they did it on purpose or maybe they weren't paying attention. Maybe they didn't even see the guy. I don't know what their motive is. But what I know is true, especially in our Western culture and what church has become so much for us that if we're not careful, it can become all about what we can get for Jesus, how he can satisfy our needs, what we can get from the worship time or from the small group or from the Bible study or from whatever it is. And it's to be so focused on our, what we can get from Jesus that we become oblivious to those around us who need to experience Jesus. And in this case, the guy who probably needed to experience it the most, more than anybody who was in that crowd that day, at least in this record. And so if we're not careful, and this is just like a warning thing, it's not a heavy thing, but I think it's just kind of the natural tendency that if we're not looking around for those who need to experience Jesus, it's so easy to just become a part of the crowd and make it about what we can get and how God can serve our needs. But I think God's looking for some people who aren't willing to just be part of the crowd, but who have their eyes open to those who need to experience Jesus. The third one is this. It may take extraordinary effort on our part to introduce people to Jesus. It may take extraordinary effort on our part to introduce people to Jesus. I love this story because these guys are not going to take no for an answer. I mean, these guys should probably receive some kind of friendship trophy or an award and not just like some lame participation trophy. Like these guys are legit, the real MVP. Like they showed up and they weren't going to take no for an answer. And it took some extraordinary effort. I mean, we talked about it, about those questions that we have when we read it, like who are these guys? And how engine, you know, the ingenuity that they had and who had the rope and how did they get them on the roof? And what, you know, what were the roofs made of that they were just able to rip it open? Like what's going on? on there, right? It took extraordinary effort, but they believed so much that Jesus changed lives. They believed so much and had so much faith that Jesus could heal their friend, that they were willing to do whatever it took. It didn't matter that the crowd was too full and they couldn't get to Jesus. It didn't matter. And, and no one would even blame them, right? I mean, just being honest, no one would say that they were a bad friend if they stopped and got there and were like, well, you know, we got here and it was too full and we can't get them to Jesus. No one would be like, boy, I mean, what a bad friend. No, you'd probably be like, well, they really tried. They had the effort, right? Gold star, they had the effort. They showed up. They tried to get them there. What are they supposed to do? It was too full. We're over capacity. Were they supposed to like crowd surf them there? I mean, there was no way. That'd actually probably be a pretty cool way to get them there too. Anyway, that's another story. But just how amazing it was that they were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus climbing a roof, taking the roof apart, lowering this guy down in front of Jesus. And see, this is something that we can learn that when we have people in our life, you got to catch this. It may take extraordinary effort on our part to introduce them to Jesus. See, in our culture in this day and age, people are getting further and further away from God. People know less and less of Christianity, the story of the gospel, even basic Bible stories. You just can't simply invite someone to church most times anymore. They come and they're like, oh yeah, I'm in this Jesus thing. See, it may take extraordinary effort on our part. It might look like being persistent. It might do doing some things that require some creativity. It might even do some things where like, God, I'm out of ideas. Can you help me figure out how to do this? How can I share Christ with him? What does this look like? But we got to understand is it might take extraordinary effort. 
And sometimes it can become so disheartening because many times we make attempts or we invite people or we share our story, whatever it is that we do to bring people to Jesus and we don't see the results and it can become very frustrating or disheartening or we don't want to pester them or I don't want to ram religion down their throat or this is what I believe and I don't want to step on their toes. But when you understand what Jesus has done for you and you understand that he can forgive sins and he can heal you and he can change your life and you love those people, you will be willing to do whatever it takes just like the people in this story. And it's not because you're trying to force something on them. It's because you love them and care about them so much. I can't imagine how much these guys cared for this friend. I mean, it must have been some really deep level of friendship with this guy that they were willing to do whatever it took to get him to Jesus and that it might require extraordinary effort on our part with a family member, with a friend, with a neighbor, a coworker, a classmate, a teammate, whatever it is, fill in the blank. It might not be something that's easy. And sometimes you get those, you get those home runs, right? Someone's just right for the picking. You ask them to come to church one time. They come the first time. They accept Jesus. Woo, they're in, right? And you have that. That's awesome. It's an exciting. But sometimes it's a journey. And sometimes it's the constant invite and praying for them and being on your knees and finding opportunities and getting creative and expecting God to show up in their life in some way. And it might not be easy and it might require an extraordinary effort. And I want to encourage you today that if you've had someone like that in your life, if you've had someone it feels like you've just asked and asked and they're not showing up and they're not willing to do it and they're just really frustrated or they're like, hey, that's good for you. But for me, don't stop. Don't give up. Be like those four friends that got there and say, I tried to get him to Jesus, but there's just a wall, a blockade. We can't get him there. Don't stop. Don't, as long as there's breath in your lungs and theirs, you keep doing it. You keep being faithful. And I promise you, Jesus will be moved by your faith, just like he was moved by these friends' faith. And he healed their friend and forgave his sins. Keep doing whatever it takes and take extraordinary effort. Extraordinary effort. The fourth one is this. Jesus is still in the business of forgiving sins and healing. Jesus is still in the business of forgiving sins and healing. So when we read this story, it's so amazing to see, yes, that Jesus forgave this guy's sins. Yes, that he healed this guy physically. But what we got to understand is that Jesus is the same, that the same God that sent Jesus on this earth all those years ago is the same Jesus who's forgiving sins and healing and changing lives today. And that if Jesus did it when he walked on this earth, that he will still do it even though he's not physically present here in body with us. He is the same Jesus that wants to forgive our sins. He's the same Jesus that wants to change our life, because if we would just be honest, that guy's life was changed forever. Talk about a total transformational change to have his body healed, to be crippled, and then be able to walk again. Can you imagine how his life was changed in so many ways? And Jesus wants to change lives today. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've been here before. Maybe you've been in a place where God entered your life and Jesus totally transformed your life, and you were no longer the same person that you were, and you recognize and understand what full surrender to Jesus has done for your life. And you get it and you're like, man, I was in a really dark place. I was in a really bad place. I was living on my own. I was doing it for myself. And all of a sudden Jesus came to my life and he changed everything in my life has never been the same. See, Jesus is in the business of forgiving sins and healing lives, healing brokenness, healing relationships, healing marriages, healing homes, healing families, healing communities, he is still in the business of healing broken hearts, of healing hurts. 
This is who Jesus is. This is the God that we follow. And when we read this story, it gives me hope because the same Jesus that they got to encounter that day in that room is the same Jesus that you and I have access to every single day and that he is still in the business of forgiving sins and he is still in the business of healing. So when we read this story, And we hear those four things. What are some practical ways that we can look at this? That's great, Brian. I I hear that. I hear that Jesus is still healing, that he's still forgiving sins, that we can bring our friends to Jesus, that we've got to be persistent in it, that we don't want to be just a part of the crowd, but we want to be active in bringing people to Jesus. So I have a couple questions for us. And the first one is this. How do I personally bring a friend to Jesus? And this is where the rubber really hits the road because we hear those stories, we talk about those four points, but now what does that practically look like? How can I do this in my life? How can I personally bring a friend, a family member, a coworker? What do I do? And here's the first place that we've got to start. The first one, it sounds so simple, but it's the most important is we've got to pray. We've got to pray. I encourage you, if you have someone in your life, begin by praying for them. Some of us need to even just make a list, jot it down, just make a list of the few people that you're praying for, keep it in front of you, maybe pray for them throughout the day, two, three minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, just daily praying for them. Ask God to soften their hearts. Ask God for opportunities for you to share your faith with them. Ask for opportunities for God to move and just be like, maybe that one time I asked them, they'll say yes to coming to church or to small group or whatever, but we've got to begin by praying for them. More than anything else, this is where we've got to start because we can't do this on our own. If we could, it would be easy, but we need God's help. We need Jesus to intervene on our behalf. So I encourage you, if you're gonna start anywhere and maybe this week, just do that. Make a list, maybe with your kids. Maybe you've got a family member that you've been believing for for a long time. Write it down, hang it up on the fridge, you know, whatever it is. Pop their initials in your calendar so it pops up at a certain time of day and you see those initials and you just pray for them. Whatever it looks like, begin to pray for the people in your life who you are believing need to experience Jesus. The second one is this, is invite See, it takes an invitation. See, I love that this story showed us that it took action for them to get their friend to Jesus. See, because so many times we can think, well, just, well, God will just do it, or someone else will do it, or someone, it'll fall to someone else or whatever. But sometimes it just requires us having that step of faith. Because I don't know if you caught it, but Jesus said that he was so moved. He was so moved by their faith And so that we've got to take a step of faith. And sometimes, let's just be honest, it's a big old step of faith to invite someone to church. Sometimes it can be really intimidating. And maybe maybe even step inviting to church might even be too big of a step. Maybe it's inviting them to your small group. We're so excited that small groups will be launching in the fall. And maybe that would be a more natural first step is, hey, we're getting together with some people in the house. Come hang out with us. But you've got to make an invitation. You've got to invite them. It may take more than one invitation. Because sometimes people are like, yeah, I would go. And they've shown it in study over and over and over again. The number and percentage of people who would go to church if they were just simply invited. Matter of fact, we've made it really easy for you. We have these little square invite cards that are down on the table. I mean, you can just start handing those out. You can make, you don't even have to have the conversation here. You did, it's got all the information on it. It just makes it so easy. I wouldn't like recommend being like weird about it and just like placing it on your friend's computer and like their windshield wiper. I wouldn't go that far. That's just 
kind of strange. But anyway, I mean, maybe, I don't know. But just invite them, ask them, invite them to come. It may take several times. You might have to pray for the right time to invite them or pray for that God. God, when I invite them, would you just be moving on their behalf? Would you just be making a way, open the door, speak to them, soften their heart, whatever it takes for the right opportunity. But you gotta pray for them and you've got to invite them. And finally, on this third one, and I love this, is you just got to share your story. I've seen this time and time again, and I feel this way sometimes even as a pastor. Sometimes it can be really intimidating to talk to someone about God or invite them to church or share your faith because we think that we have to have all the answers. You might feel like, I don't know enough of the Bible. I don't really know all this theology. What if they start asking me questions and I'm not even sure I know the answer. I have questions about that same thing and I don't know how to answer that here. What do I do? I just want to encourage you to share your story. Think about the guy who was healed and his sins were forgiven that day. No one could refute the story that he shared. They may have questions about who Jesus was, how it was his intentions right, and these things about God, and what, do we, what about this, and what do we do about this story, and what about this? I don't know. All I know is I once couldn't walk, and now I can, and Jesus did that. And see, when you are the same way, you just begin to share your story of what Jesus did in your life. People might have questions. They might not agree with Christianity. They might be down on church and the whole God thing. They may be straight up violent against it and be like, who do you think you are? But when you begin to share your story, story and how God has changed your life and what Jesus has done for you, that cannot be refuted because that's your personal experience. And so you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all of the theology and Bible questions figured out. Just share your story. And maybe it's just praying for that right opportunity. God, just give me that right opportunity, that right time. Holy Spirit, just nudge me in that moment when I know it's just, that's the time. That's the one opportunity I've been waiting for. Maybe they'll even bring it up. It'll even blow your mind. You'll be in this situation and they'll bring something up about faith or God or church or their experience growing up and how they don't follow God anymore, whatever it is. And you're like, bingo, my opportunity to share my story of what God has done for me, how he's changed my life, how he's brought me from spiritual death to spiritual life how he's transformed my life. Share your story. So that's how we personally bring a friend to Jesus. I want to shift, and this is what we're going to end with today, is how do we introduce people to Jesus as a church? How do we introduce people to Jesus as a church? What does this look like for us church-wide? And the reason we ask this question is because it's why we do what we do as a church. So we just started this brand new church. It's called Treeline. We're gonna turn a year old at the end of September. And why do we need another church? I mean, do we really need another church? Because Brian, we look around and there's churches closing. Matter of fact, you can go like on the real estate listing and you can find like 10 church buildings for sale in the Pittsburgh area right now because they just couldn't make it. People stopped coming. People aren't interested in church. Do we really need it? There's so much seating capacity. Look, we've got empty chairs in here. Why are we starting new churches? But see, here's the truth is that we're not starting churches. We didn't start Treeline just for church people who have already experienced Jesus. But when we understand that we don't simply want to be part of the crowd and be ignorant to the people around us in our schools, in our communities, in our workplace, in our home, in our families who have yet to experience Jesus, then it begins to change things. And we're willing to do whatever it takes and it might not be easy, and guess what? Starting a church takes extraordinary effort. I mean, we're like, well, we got there, and it was hard. How are we going to do it? Nope, let's climb the roof. Let's rip the roof off of this thing, and let's do this. That's why we started Treeline Church, because we understand that our community, that Pittsburgh, these surrounding areas, western Pennsylvania, there's like a million people 
who don't go to church, haven't experienced the love of God, who have yet to encounter the healing and life transformation that only comes through a relationship with Jesus. And we're willing to do whatever it takes as a church, even if it takes extraordinary efforts. And just like those friends had to pay a price and it cost them something, just like I had people in my life who went out of their way to help me, it might require something from us. It might cost us a personal preference. It might cost us doing something that we want. It might cost us doing something that we love. But see, when we understand who Jesus is and we understand that there are so many people that have yet to encounter his love and his life change, that we're gonna go to extraordinary effort as a church. See, if you wanna reach the people that no one else has reached, you gotta be willing to do the things that no one else has been willing to do. And that's what we want to be about as a church. So how do we introduce people to Jesus as a church? This list might look a little bit similar to start out, but the first one is this. We pray. How do we introduce people to Jesus as a church? We pray. We start by prayer. Treeline Church was birthed in prayer. Birthed in prayer. Covered in prayer. We still pray constantly. As a matter of fact, in January, we're going to do it again. This year, we do something called 21 Days of Prayer. It's such a great time to get together. We have things that we pray for and believe for as a church. We saw God continuing to this day to answer so many of the prayers from last January's 21 days of prayer and fasting. We are seeing God answer those prayers as a church. And this is where we've got to start. And I encourage you, I ask you, I beg you to be praying for our church. Finding a few minutes, pray for us as leaders, pray for wisdom and guidance, pray for God to open up doors, pray for resources, pray for favor with people. Pray that God would move on our behalf because here's what I know. Jesus said that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he is building tree line. We're just coming alongside and saying, God, help us do this. Help us build your church. Pray for us as a church. Pray daily. The second one is this. Serve how do we reach people? How do we introduce people as a church? We've got to serve. We've got to give back. God created every single one of us on purpose for purpose. And that these people who serve here lead us in worship, do hospitality, welcome us, love our kids on Sunday morning, run the tech, all the things that it takes, leading small groups, hosting small groups, giving generously, all of those things, serving and giving back. It just reminds me of the four friends who brought someone to Jesus. It's being active in our faith, not just being a part of the crowd, but being like, who, who is it? Who is it in our life? Who needs to experience Jesus? Kids are showing up. Someone needs to love on them. Someone needs to sing songs with them and teach them these crazy dances and help them remember these lyrics about how much God loves them and created them and has a plan for them from a young age, teaching them scripture and Bible verses that we can serve. And you're like, well, I don't have anything to serve. I don't have the skills. Uh-uh, that's not true. God has given every single one of us gifts and abilities that we can use and none are more important than the other. It's not about being in front or being in the stage or doing something that seems impressive. It's simply being obedient and say, I got something to give. I can serve in some capacity. The third one is this, to give, give generously, give of our time, Give of our time, being serving and giving of our time, but giving of our resources, that it all takes resources to make this happen. Did you catch it in the story? They brought their friend to Jesus. What did they bring him on? They brought him on a mat. They had a rope. It took resources, right? It took physical resources to bring someone physically to Jesus. And see, as a church, it's no different. It takes resources to help people encounter Jesus. We're not trying to build something that's cool or trendy or be the cool new church in Pittsburgh. That's not our heart at all. 
but we understand that because there are people who are far from God, it's going to take resources to get us there. So as a church, when we give and we give generously, and I'm so humbled and blown away to see how many people have been giving over this last year. So thankful for the churches from all over this country that give every single month to make tree line happen. People who will never walk in this door, people who will never experience the ministry here, but believe so much in what we're doing and believe so much in who God is that they would give every single month to make this church happen, to get this thing up off the ground. So how do we do this as a church? We pray, we serve, and we give. Friends, we have an opportunity to be the church together. We have an opportunity to be those four friends and help people experience Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Maybe you're here today and God's beginning to challenge you or speak to you, or maybe you're feeling that nudge on your heart. Maybe there's someone that you've been praying for, believing for, a friend, a family member, and maybe you just kind of gave up or just got frustrated, or maybe you're just like, that's just who they are. They'll never change. I'm not going to ask anymore. I don't, it's like stirring up the hornet's nest, whatever it is. Maybe time has just gone by, or maybe there's just been that person you never even really initiated it. Maybe God's been speaking to you, or your eyes have been open to that, that coworker or that classmate. And you hear the struggle and you see what they're going through and you know what Jesus has done in your life and you make that, they just need Jesus. They need Jesus. I just encourage you in this moment, maybe even right now as we're, we're praying and we're bringing this before God, maybe God's just bringing a face to your mind, a name that he's putting on your lips. I just encourage you now to take the step this week. God, give us the courage to pray for them on a regular basis. God, I pray for opportunities to be able to invite people. Lord, I pray for opportunities to be able to share our story. I even pray today for people to have boldness like they've never had before to share their story. God, I pray for even stories to come out in the weeks and months ahead of people sharing the story. Man, if I would have shared my faith before, I probably would have passed out, but God just gave me this boldness and I stepped up and I, I just shared how God has changed my life, how Jesus forgave my sins, how he's changed my life. God, give us the boldness. Give us the tenacity. God, help us to be like those friends who did whatever it took. Extraordinary effort to bring people to Jesus. Lord, help us to be that as a church. If you're here this morning and maybe you would say, you needed to hear that point more than any other, that Jesus is still in the business of forgiving sins and healing. Maybe you're here today and you're like, that's great. Yeah, there are people in my life, but I'm here today, Brian. I need Jesus. I need him to forgive my sins. I need him to heal me. I need him to heal this hurt, this marriage, this relationship, this broken heart, this wound that just seems that I just protect it and I hide it and I keep it so close and tight to the chest and Jesus is just here to say, just, just give it to me. Bring it to me. Trust me. I've got you. If you're here today and you have never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, you have never surrendered your life to him, I want you to hear today that Jesus is still in the business of healing lives. He is still in the business of forgiving sins and he is here today ready to accept you with arms wide open with forgiveness, not with judgment, not with guilt, not with condemnation. 
That you don't have to get your life a certain way. You don't have to look or act a certain way. You don't have to get everything in order. He's ready now. He wants the mess. He wants the shame. He wants the pain. He wants you to bring it all to him and give it to him. That he's big enough for the doubt. He's big enough for the questions. He's big enough for the confusion. He's big enough for the hurts. Just bring it to him today. Maybe you're here today and one time you said yes to a relationship with Jesus, but you walked away. Maybe the hurt got too intense. Life just began to happen. You had questions. You had doubts. Maybe someone else just even began to plant those seeds of doubt. You're like, I don't even know how this can be real. If that's you today in either one of those categories, if you want to say yes and surrender your life to Jesus for the first time, or you want to say yes and you want to come back and bring your life to him and say, Jesus, I just need that recommitment. I'm yours. If that's you today, while no one's looking around, I just ask you to slip your hand up and say, Brian, include me in that prayer. Include me in that prayer today, Brian. I need Jesus. All right, we're going to pray together out loud. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me so that no one has to pray alone. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Come into my life. Help me to follow you all of my life. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate for those who made a decision for Jesus today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.